Today we're going to be continuing um, the series of Malachi called Dead Religion. Um, and basically what this is talking about and what we're trying to portray is that relationship with God is just that. It's a relationship. And we tend to put religion in front of that. Um, we tend to put the practice before the person of Jesus and God. And um, so essentially last week, Derek introduced us to this covenant. I have loved you. He starts um, in Malachi with, I have loved you. It is the statement of who he is to us. It's a positional statement. I have loved you. And that's how he starts his, um, basically Malachi's dissertation of what God is saying to the people of Israel. And I believe that this covenant is necessary, that in order for, for God to be in communi communication with us in relationship, we obviously need the covenant. We need that the stipulation of what does this relationship mean and what does it do? And basically the covenant that God has with us is correct relationship, correct identity with him. And um, kind of give you an idea of my life. Um, there's a point in my life where um, s my identity started to break down. Um, when I was about nine years old, my uh, father had left the family, um, divorced my mom, and, and it was just a radical departure from who, what our family was, what God was doing. It was, it was a radical departure from what um, I had thought was the right thing to happen. And, um, and so this created in me like an, a conflict of identity. Like I didn't really know who I was. This bad thing happened, and now I have to kind of figure it out on my own. And while I was praying over this message, I, I had something different. But then the Lord gave me these two songs. Um, and basically they revealed the two hearts that I had. So <laughs> the first one is the, the one that didn't want to seek to honor God <laughs> um, in my relationship with my father. Um, <laughs> it was so, so cringy. But I had this, um, I had this, I, I had this burden and anger in my heart that God, or er, um, dad, you, you did something wrong. There's something wrong here and you need to know it, man. And so it was a Sanctus Real song. I can't remember the actual, um, the actual title, but the lyrics went something like, um, now I'm going to forget it. Don't you wish that it was backwards? It is now or never. All the time that you, all right, wait, goes. Yeah, yeah, right, right, got it, right, got it. Um, don't, something, don't be wasting all the time we could have spent together. We said it was that. I uh, forget it. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, it was just so like, I don't know, like it was, it was bitter. It was like, God, or dad, this is how I feel towards you right now. And it, like, I literally, I, it was, the reason it was cringy is because there was like movements and stuff to it too. I literally sat my dad down in his living room. I was like, dad, I want to sing this song to you. <laughs> it's just, 
uh, it was it was like I could just imagine how awkward it was for my dad to like listen to the song and go, oh shoot, this is about me. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was yeah, but that was that was the one song that was the that was the really just my heart was just acting out of out of dishonor, acting out of what had happened to me that I wanted I wanted my dad to know that he hurt me, <laughs> essentially. Um, but there was another song in my heart. <laughs> Um, that um, I was driving with my dad. I can only remember there was a sunset and I just remember being in the back seat and I asked my dad, Dad, can I, can I sing to you? Can I sing to you? And he probably said, yeah. And, and I don't remember any of the words, but the only thing that I could remember was it was a song of hope. He was like, I wonder if you'll hear something that'll, that'll grip his heart, that'll change who he's becoming and what he has decided to do. Maybe he will turn. Maybe he'll turn from what he's done. And so those are two different hearts. And the, one, the first heart I had didn't trust God. I wanted to fix it right there. I wanted, I wanted my dad to know how I was hurt. And it didn't honor God at that point in time. And um, and so I believe very strongly that this is the same thing for all of us. It's this: there is a point in time that something has come in contact with us—a a situation, a person—that has convinced us, falsely convinced us, of our relationship with God. Um, so for me, it was that my dad left. He didn't care. He left. Um, and so maybe for you, it's, it's a father, a father figure that decided to abandon you, or maybe you've gone without a home that you don't have a place of your own to call your own. And maybe it's close, uh, close friendships, relationships. There are people in your life that have betrayed you, hurt you, and abandoned you for maybe someone else that might be um, better. And maybe maybe it's a marriage. Maybe you've gone without marriage. Maybe you were in a marriage and now are without it. And I believe that, um, that these points in contact essentially dictate who we are. And that's um, distrust this point of contact that has convinced us falsely of who God is to us, it causes distrust to God. I don't trust God because this has happened, because really, this world is a, is a shadow of, there's shadows of who God is, and when we see a father figure who abandons us, when we see a, a friend who betrays us, there's a, part of, there's a part of God in there that we attribute to him and that's how we get confused. There's a conflict of identity, and, and we start to live out of that brokenness. And so distrust, what we're going to be talking about today is distrust is the enemy of honor. The reason we can't have right relationship and the reason we can't effectively honor God is because we don't trust him. That's the, that is the framework of our fall and our life. Um, but what is so, man, if you can get this today, man, 
what is so awesome is that God is passionately, he passionately desires right relationship with you. And so when we, when we read this, you need, you need to have that in mind that he is passionate to have right relationship with you. It's not so much of our passion for right relationship with him, but it always starts with, I have loved you, I am passionate for you and me to get along. <laughs> um, and one prophet in particular is Malachi, and he expresses this tension really, really well. Uh, the tension between God's desire and our distrust. Um, so I've, I've done this a few times, and I really, really like it. So who would like to read the scripture for the day? Anyone, literally anyone. You don't have to. Ah, okay. Allie, come on up. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. It's not that bad. Um, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of, <laughs> that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you m would not lay useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Okay, all right. <laughs> awesome, Allie. Thank you for getting out of the comfort zone of yours. Praise the Lord. Um, so let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you that the beginning of our relationship with you is based on your love for us and your desire to be with us forever. And Lord, I just pray that this morning, that each and every one of us, um, Lord, you would reveal that, that conflict in our identity, Lord, and that you would heal that, begin to heal it, and bring it to fruition, Lord, that we may fully honor you, and that we may see your glory in this place, Father. Amen. So to kind of give you a background, and this is my bad, there actually is a little bit more, but we'll get into that um, a little bit later. But the background to this story, essentially Israel is in a time after an exile, which basically was like, guys, sorry, but um, I'm sending you to Bab Babylon. I'm removing the inheritance that I've given you, the land they were in, and sent them to Babylon and, and scattered them throughout the Babylonian Empire. And so, essentially, we're in this time now that Israel has come back, post-exile. Israel has come back. Nehemiah and some of the prophets have um, basically started the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which is, again, the city of God. And, most importantly, the temple. Because the temple was a basically the um, representation of God's presence so when it was destroyed, that Israel was in, was in turmoil, that God had left them. 
And so now they're back. The temple is rebuilt, and they are continuing their walk with God. But God is not showing up entirely the way that Israel had essentially thought was in the agreement, was in the covenant. And so they begin to kind of start to slowly ignore their relationship with God. They slowly, um, they see the covenant, and now they're kind of um, putting these uh, uh, lame animals on the altar. It's kind of a sign of like, well, if God's not showing up, we didn't show up as much either, right? Um, And so Malachi comes in with some truth bombs, if you will, and he is trying to express to Israel what is going on. What is this relationship that is miscommunicated, not understood fully? And so the first thing that God does here is he establishes his relationship as father and master over Israel. And what's interesting is that the covenant, as we said before, is a proper relationship. If we go back to the Old Testament in Exodus, we see that in the Ten Commandments, which a lot of people, they just look at the Ten Commandments, but right before it is kind of the, what we have here, I have loved you. It's the introductory. It sets the foundation of who I am and who you are. And what we see is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So before the covenant is even said, before even the stipulation of this is who I am God and this is who you are man, there is, I have done this out of my love for you and out of my passion to be for you. Um, And so throughout the law, we see the right relationship, creator to man, which is the very beginning, I have loved you. That's God's. That's God's part of the bargain is loving us as a father and as a master. And um, then we have man to creator, which is if you really read the if you read the Ten Commandments, really, it's all based on very a very simple idea is that God is creator and we are created and that there is a certain way that that should happen. That's really the in simplest terms what the covenant was. Um, And obviously man to man, which is interesting, how we relate to others, which we'll talk about later, is actually um, a part of this covenant. But as we see from many of these questions, even in um, your part of the passage, God says, I have loved you in Israel. I think one of the translations says, really? How have you loved us? Like there's this, there's this very bitter attitude, which I, I believe all of us here have some sort of grip or gripe with God that prevents us from, from adequately honoring him. And so Israel has this like apathetic attitude towards these, these rituals and these, um, the stipulations of the covenant. And specifically, God points out this sacrifice. And the sacrifice Really, what it is, is it, it means a, f- a few things, actually. Um, keep moving this thing around. I actually want it over here. Um, <laughs> the first thing is it shows repentance. It says, God, I know my position to you, and that there is even, even the tabernacle is the meeting place between man and God. And so this 
this altar symbolizes a recognition of our position, that, God, there's something that's preventing me from getting to you. There's something that's preventing a right relationship between us. Um, and that you, and part of that repentance is turning to God and saying, I know you are the right, the right way is yours, is essentially what repentance is. And, and now there's a recognition of guilt that what we do actually, um, actually is wrong. That's a very simple way of doing it, of understanding it. But really, it's understanding that w- the things, some of the things we do actually um, are wrong and are against what God has designed in his covenant. Um, and also, which is, which is awesome, is that it's, it's a hope of right relationship with God. Israel recognizes they're not perfect. But this sacrifice really expresses that, God, we're going to do this year after year, every time, because we believe in the promise that we'll be with you once again, that this tabernacle will not just be the only place that we can be with you, but it's the entire world would be created, recreated, and we can be in right relationship with you all the time. And again, it's the foreshadow of the Messiah to come, that there would be once and for all a sacrifice that would allow this covenant um, to be not just in a temple, not just in a tabernacle, but in our hearts, our very hearts. And so this apathy is a sign of distrust. God, you're not holding up your part of the bargain, and so we will do the same. We're not going to um, act in the right way. And the one example, man, like for me, I love the creation story, especially, well, I shouldn't say especially the fall, but (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) I don't know. It's just so, it's so, there's so many simple things that you see throughout all of scripture that started there. And so you see Adam and Eve are made in right relationship with God. They're like chilling with Jesus. Jesus is in the garden. Um, And they're just like they are in right relationship with God. But God gives them a covenant. If you didn't recognize that, there is actually a covenant in the garden as well. He just says, don't eat of that tree over there, the tree of good and evil. That's the covenant. Um, This is our relationship. And part of that relationship is that that tree is not yours. It's mine. And so, um, and it, the, the word that is in scripture is the word convinced. Eve was convinced that what God said wasn't true. There was, a, there was something that got into Eve, something in her heart that has, tr- that has gone through all the generations that God isn't who he says he is. That there's part of his... Like, like I said before, part of his creation has said something different, has shown me something different. And now, I don't know. Yeah, why, why can't I eat of that tree? I mean, the knowledge of good and evil, that kind of sounds like a good thing to know, like the difference between it. Um, and so, um, so you're, she's left with like, I'm convinced that maybe there's something more that I don't know about. And it's distrust. We see this even through Abraham. We see Abraham. God says, dude, I'm going to make a nation out of you, bro. And he's like, great. I'm like, what? He was like probably two, three hundred years old. Great. <laughs> Can't have a child. Uh, so he, he's panicking. There's distrust. God, you said this. I'm not quite sure. My situation doesn't look exactly like how you had portrayed it. And so now he goes to Hagar, 
Sarah's little midwife or I don't know something. Um, and <laughs> sis, it wasn't a sister, but you know, um, and and sleeps with her to get a child because he's trying to make this promise come true. He's he's a little he's not sure. God, are you going to do this? Are you s- who you say you are? It's all throughout Scripture. You'll find this whenever God makes a covenant with Israel, with a leader of Israel, with some patriarch, you see something that breaks, something of distrust that happens. And so, <laughs> um, this is the struggle, th- their struggle is the same as ours. This is something that has happened throughout time that you cannot ignore, that our distrust of God is what leads to us not fully honoring him in the right way. And um, Really, it's we forget our identity through this, and we also forget God's identity, most importantly. But what I am going to say to you this morning, so that you know the covenant that has been made over your life this morning, is that Jesus has is the expression of God's covenant. That he has died for our sin. That he has fulfilled his promise in Christ, that he is passionate for our lives and he's passionate to be with us, so much so that he would give his life, that he would die for us. And it's so interesting that his very people were the one who put him on the cross. Like the very essence of distrust, that God would come down as a man to reconcile us to him. The very distrust in that. And I always thought, like, man, if someone came into this town and started saying that they were God, I'd be a little <laughs> skeptical, too. But there was Jesus throughout his life was revealing who he was constantly through his miracles, through his, his teachings. And so this morning, I, I want you to leave knowing that God's covenant with you is, is through Jesus. And that he desires to be with you. It's not about how much practice you put into it. That doesn't determine your position in this covenant. It is something that comes out of that trust. That when we look at Jesus and we go, I trust in you because of that. That's where we get our life. (laughs) That's how we live in honoring to him. So... God reveals himself when we, when we live in this faith, when we live in this God-honoring life, knowing our position. God reveals himself as a, as a father who provides care for us despite what we see, despite the father who abandons. That he provides shelter no matter what happens to our actual home and that he will restore that that he is a restoring God. A friend, he's a friend who never leaves us. We believe this despite the friends that are around us that aren't perfect and decides to value other things over us or what have you. And he's also a lover who delights in intimacy. That despite what has happened in our past marriages, despite what has happened in our lack of marriage, God delights in intimacy with us and that we can believe that 
in marriage, out of marriage, intimacy is possible with him. And so, um, part of my journey has been reconciling with my father. And I, I can attest to you here today, um, it was a few years back, it's not perfect. In fact, I'll be honest, I forgot to um, call him on Father's Day. Um, and I still have yet to reconcile that, but... Um, but there was a there was a moment when I when I was staying with my grandparents, and it was the very very last day that I was leaving, and I knew that when I went there that my my primary goal was to um, get an internship and fulfill that. But it was also like this is my key and my door into reconciling with my father, and it was the very last day we went to um, what was it? I think it was fr- I think it was Fridays. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it was I think it was Fridays and um man I I hate that we don't have Fridays in Altoona anymore cuz the the endless appetizers like come on y'all can't can't go wrong with that. Um but we were we were sitting there and it got to the point where God like just just opened the door a little bit and I just bursted right through. And it was like it was heavy, man. I was basically crying the whole time. There's like this group of black ladies over here, and they're like, I just was wondering, like, man, those ladies probably think we're crazy. Because <laughs> I'm like bawling, I'm like expressing my heart and all of the distrust that I had towards him. And that in that, which is crazy, that like, we don't, we don't earn our relationship with God, but when we like, when it collaborates, when it's one in one, and we, when we go out and say, God, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of all this distrust of my father, and I'm going for it. He then rebuilds in me trust to him, trust to the Father. And man, I left Fridays like reborn. Like I mean, I was, I was a Christian before then, but it was like a revitalization of honor to God that I was. I felt like I was actually able to live for God in fullness again, that I was able to honor him. And, like, there was, like, a there was a good year where it was just, like, well, maybe it wasn't a year, but it was a good amount of time where I was just, like, on fire, and I was going out to the streets and talking to people, and I bought all these, like, little New Testament Bibles because I was just going to start handing them to people. And, um, and it was just such a good time. And then after that, it got really terrible. But... That was, <laughs> but that was like, that was necessary, right? I was in post-exilic life. I was in captivity because of my bitterness towards my dad, and then I was let free. And then there was time that passed, and then I was forced to trust God even though I didn't see it. And so I just pressed through, and I, man, I you guys can attest, I, I was not great. I mean, there were, some of the, like, Jerry's awesome, man. If you ever like, if you're ever struggling with something and you walk past her, usually, and she says hi, like her, st- I don't know, there's something about like, there's like intentionality, like I'm going through the surface real quick and you better be ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, there's one time where I just like, I was, she was like, so how you doing? I'm like, ah, I'm good. I was trying to cover up like that I was in turmoil. Um, she's like, yeah, you're lying, but it's okay. I'm, I still love you. I'm like, <coughs> come on. <laughs> but um, 
So when this becomes a reality in our life, when this becomes a real thing, we see change in our, in our personal relationships with one another, that we can actually honor one another. It starts with God in relationship with us, so we know who he is, then we know who we are to him, and then it allows us to know who we are to one another. And it allows us to, to really love so much so that people out here go, what the heck are they doing over there? Um, and that's like, that's the vision for this church is like, and I th- this, may af- this may offend, I'm not sure, but I feel like, <laughs> but I, I think in our, in the Christian culture that we live in, there is like, we go out and we tell Jesus or tell people about Jesus, and then we kind of, we go to the next person, we go to the next, 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 next. Which is not necessarily wrong. But I, I feel like biblical evangelism and what we see, and this is actually part of the, the next part of the, um, that I forgot to put up there, is that God was upset with their actions because of his name. That his name, his plan is for the world to know who he is. The world to know his name in right relationship and the right expression of his name. And we see the wrong expression of his name everywhere. The wrong expression of our intimacy with one another, it's, it's everywhere. But most of the time when God is picked, and here we can see he's, you know, I mean in other places he's a little bit more, but here <laughs> we even see that like he's angry because the world doesn't see the true God. If Israel, God's chosen people, is giving out lame, lame lambs and animals, we don't have to take this God seriously. We can keep, you know, uh, burning children um, in, in Molech. God isn't the true God. So there's, there's a piece of our relationship with God that is to be shown. That there is not so much boasting in ourselves, but boasting in the God so that other people, what an, what a, I don't get that. How can you how can you honor God in your marriage when you got the computer at home, man? Like, how how can you love your neighbor when they keep throwing trash in your in your lawn? Or um, so, and I I feel like that's the key of evangelism is that your life, not necessarily your words, but your life. Words can be a part of that. I'm not saying don't go out and tell people about Christ. That's huge, but your life is your main instrument for evangelism, your main instrument for God's name to be known correctly. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think I'm done. Um, <laughs> um, I really, I really believe, and I just, I'm, I'm so excited to be um, in this place and with you over you as a pastor and under you as a servant. Um, I really, I'm excited to see what God's going to do with us, um, how he's going to change this city, and how we can um, begin to transform the inha- the places that we inhabit. That it's not just the words that we speak that change, but our lives that honor him and honor his name and express his name correctly. That's how change happens, folks. Um, there's really, you can go throughout the whole Bible, say all these, you know, give all the exa- exa- examples. But we just, 
let's do this together, man. We're, you know, <laughs> as a church, that's, that's what we do. We're in this together. We're not just in a personal, but we are in a corporate relationship.